How beautiful was that? Just that sense of, uh, when I heard that song the first time, I, I kind of wept through it, really, and then just seeing those images, so wonderful, that whole, those slides coming in so beautifully. I mean, it, it, I find it very emotional, very moving. Just the immensity of creation, a billion stars. And uh, the rest of the beauty that you saw on that screen, all crying out in praise of him. It's almost like creation is aware of something that we as people aren't so much anymore. You know, that God is glorious and splendor and power and love. It's like creation knows somehow. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't talk to my flowers at home or <laughs> hug trees or listen to the tulips. It's not that. It's more that, that we as people so easily forget, I think, God's glory. And never more is that true, I think, than of Easter Sunday, I have to say. It's like one of the greatest moments in all history and, and somehow we've reduced it to cream, eggs and chocolate. And uh, just to say, I'm not against cream, eggs and chocolate. I'll be eating my share later on today, I'm sure. But, but as people, as a society, I think we've lost an appreciation of this moment in history when, when Jesus... God the Son rose from the dead. And so this morning, just for a few moments, I just want to take a, or put a spotlight on this because it really is huge. The moment when Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, as it were. Uh, it, it is massive. I say it's massive to state the obvious. Anyone rising from the dead is huge. All right, It's big. I don't know if anyone here has been through that process. Uh, does, it, it does happen around the world today, but it's, it's huge in itself. And certainly when Jesus raised people from the dead in the New Testament, we know it caused a huge stir. You know, Lazarus, come forth. Well, when Lazarus came forth, words spread like wildfire through to Jerusalem. It was a big event. Rising from the dead is extraordinary. But I think we've got to understand when Jesus rose from the dead, it's a totally different order, all right? And that's because, among other things, because when he rose, he rose never to die again. And that's unique. I mean, the others that were raised from the dead, they grew old and they died. And, uh, but not Jesus. He rose never to die again. And that's partly because when he rose, you know, he rose actually in his new resurrected form, physical and spiritual. He rose in his physical form, a physical uh, person, as it were, that was geared up now for eternity. And it's a physical form that, as you read the scriptures, we can see was pretty special. I mean, when he appeared to the disciples after the crucifixion, he didn't come as a spirit or a ghost. He came as a man. And yet it was a man who was physical. He showed them the scars. And he even ate food in front of them to convince them. And I can imagine the disciples watching him as he swallowed to make sure it really went down. Their eyes getting bigger and bigger. He really is a man, a person. And uh, we know this as well, that he wanted them to touch him and handle him. I'm sure he embraced them. So physically, he's real. And yet it seems he could do some extraordinary things as well. Like he could pass through locked doors and suddenly appear before his disciples. And then he could suddenly disappear again too. And then in the book of Acts, we read this in Acts 1, he could, he could step out of their sight and straight into heaven, not as a spirit, but as a physical man. Wow. So, so that's the point. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose with a glorious physical form to fit all eternity. And that's different from anyone else. So that's one thing that makes his resurrection so different. 
Another thing is what his resurrection means for us. You know, it points to a couple of things that have huge implications. I mean, for one thing, you know what? The resurrection is actually a proclamation. It's really God's proof that our sin has been completely and totally overcome. You say, well, well, how might that be? Well, if you remember, the Bible's really, really clear, right? There's the resurrection. The Bible's clear. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6 says. James 1, sin gives birth to death. Romans 5, death came to all men because all sin. In other words, death is the absolute and unavoidable consequence of sin. All right, it's inevitable. If you set light to your finger, it will hurt. If you drop a rock from a building, it will fall. If you drive towards a tree, you will crash. If you sin, you will die. Right? It's clearly laid out in the Bible. It's inevitable. It's always been so. Just a word for you. Everyone who's ever lived before you has died, barring a couple. And the other day I came across a photo. I actually came across this photo. There it is. It's a photo of a celebration. There was in 1918 when the war ended, the First World War ended. And when it ended in 1918, which is a century ago, you know, the celebrations that took place, people just spilled out into the streets and they just were having a whale of a time. They were just celebrating and you can see their faces. They're just grinning. It's like they've got such hopes and they're waving their flags and throwing their hats in the air. They're all gone. All right, they're all gone. They're all gone, except for a baby who might have been born at the time, but they're all gone. Why? Because they all sin. We see, that's why we grow old and die. And you can't just shake it off death or fend it away uh, by wearing trendy clothes uh, 10 years before your time. All right, you can't do that. You can't do it by dyeing your hair black. You can't fend it off by putting on gallons of the oil of Yule. All right, you can't stop <laughs> age and death. You can't, sorry, you can't. The only way to put an end to death is to destroy the cause. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He destroyed the cause. 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, God made him who had no sin to be a sin offering for us. In other words, Jesus, who was sinless, absolutely perfect in all he did and all he thought, he stepped forward and took our place. He took our sin and he died in our place, taking our death. That's important. And by rising from the dead, never to die again, God is proclaiming this. Really, he's saying, your sin is gone. My son, rising from the dead, you can see the power of sin is broken. You're now free from the hold of sin. Wow. And so while it's true, there will come a day when, yes, my old physical body will crumble away in death, Look, because Jesus took my sin and my death, the glory is I will go straight through to be with him forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Straight into his presence. I will be with him. In fact, John, uh, Jesus says in John 5, we have already crossed from death to life, those who put their trust in him. And you know what? I'm encouraged by that. It's a wonderful thing. I still remember many years ago now holding the hand of a dear friend as, of mine as he died, and, uh, and his body was wracked by sickness and illness. He'd been sick for a long time. And I held his hand. And just as he was slipping away, you know, a song was being sung in the background, that worship song. It was a worship song. 
uh, Jesus be the center. Beautiful song. I never heard it before. And as they sang that song, he just slipped away and it was like, I just thought, man, you've just gone straight through into the presence of God. It was such a beautiful moment and what should have been a terrifying moment, it wasn't at all, actually. And of course it doesn't end there. It's not just that you'll go to be with God. It's that there will come a day when I will be given a new physical form like Jesus. Eternal, immortal, fit for a new creation, a new heavens and a new earth. And you see, the resurrection of Jesus is a proclamation of that. The power of sin is broken. Death has been defeated. It no longer holds us. We shall reign with him forevermore. Hallelujah. And not as a spirit floating about on a cloud playing a harp, which sounds very dull to me. No, we shall be with him reigning forever on a restored creation. The new heavens and the new earth. Hallelujah. That's our destiny now. And that's what Easter is all about. That's what Easter is about. And this brings me to the second reason why his resurrection is so momentous. You see, when Jesus rises from the dead, what you had at that moment whether you're aware of it or not, what you have is the first day of those new heavens and new earth on earth. It's the first expression of that coming day. Wonderful. You know, it's like when you get to the end of, you know, the, the winter times over here, you know, can be pretty harsh. And you know those kind of winter times, about August, July, August, the winds howling, southerlies cutting through you like a knife. And uh, day after day, rain pouring down. It's miserable. Uh, and it's, that's what our winters can be. But there comes that, that moment in spring, doesn't it, when you have the first really nice day. And the sun's shining and the winds just turn gently from the north and the blossoms are on the trees. And I don't know about you, but when that day comes, I usually find myself thinking, at last summer is here. <laughs> you know, it's like that first day is the first taste of what is to come. And that's a little bit like Jesus' resurrection. It's like the first taste of what is to come. Summer is on the way. The new creation, the fullness of the kingdom is on the way. That's why Paul says uh, to the Corinthians, he says this. He says, Christ indeed has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And that word first fruits, it's like the first apple appearing on the tree. And you know there's a whole apple, a tree full of apples that are still to come. But that's the first apple. And the resurrection is a bit like that. It's the first fruit. In other words, what it's saying is Jesus is resurrected. It's like, folks, it's begun. The powers of darkness that have held this world in such slavery are broken. Triumphed over, Paul says to the, Col to the uh, Colossians, triumphed over, made a public spectacle of, and now there is a new day, a new age breaking out upon the earth. Hallelujah. As one uh, scholar, N.T. Wright, says about this, he says this. He says that the resurrection proclaims that the power that has tyrannized the old creation has been broken, defeated, overthrown, and God's kingdom is now launched and launched in power and glory on earth as it is in heaven. That's what the resurrection is. It's a proclamation of that. It's the proof that sin and death is overcome and it's proof that the new heavens and the new earth are on their way. Wow. And that's why we can believe for more and more displays of God's healing power and freedom on the earth because the new age has come and has appeared on the earth. 
It's why I can believe for a church that will become more and more glorious and in love and holiness and power because it's on the way. The kingdom is fully on the way. And it's why that I know the earth really will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Hallelujah. Because it's on the way and the resurrection was the first day. That's what Easter is about. As one commentator says, if you're going to celebrate a Christian festival in the year, make it Easter Sunday. Because that's the day when the world shifted and changed and heaven truly broke out upon the earth. It's Easter Sunday. It's the resurrection. And that brings us back to those getting baptised today. Wonderful. Because even in the act of baptism, it points to what we're talking about. So when we baptise these two, Digi and Tanae, when we put them under the water and we bring them up again, you know, it's a picture. What it's saying is that for Digi and Tanae, when they first put their trust in Jesus, their old life, bound under sin and death, was washed away, gone. And as they come up from the water, it's saying, the new life has begun. It's like saying, as Jesus rose from the dead, so will I. That's what it's saying. As all creation longs for the restoration of all things, so do I. There's something in me now which has eternity in it, and I'm being drawn to that day. Hallelujah. As women and men follow Jesus as king, so will I. That's what they're declaring. And that's why we celebrate. Here are two who have taken that step put their trust in Jesus and they'll follow him into a truly blessed future. Now, it's not a future without hardship or challenge. There'll be plenty of that. But it is a future that is secure in God's great plan. And God will bring them through to a glorious eternity. Hallelujah. And God loves their obedience, which is why when they come out of the pool, what we're going to do, we're going to put them in the water and bring them back out again. They're going to step out of the pool. They'll have a towel around them. And at that point, we're going to pray for them. Because God loves obedience. And as we pray for them, we're going to pray the biggest prayers that we can think of and know that God does more than we ask or imagine. And it's hard as to bless these two. So it's a powerful time. Baptism is very powerful. It's when God's power meets with people who have stepped out in obedience to him. So that's what we're going to do. I guess the real question and the challenge in their baptism that comes before each one of us is really this. Have you made that step to follow Jesus yourself? Have you made that step? Have you put your trust in him? It's interesting hearing Digi and Tanae's story, how they had a sense of God from their earliest days, and they even went to church. But there had to come a moment when they themselves had to say, I put my trust in Jesus. I take that step to follow him. Going to church isn't enough. Even the religious belief of my parents isn't enough. I personally must make that step because Jesus personally died for me. Hallelujah. And so as you watch them being baptized, I want to challenge you, encourage you to think, where do I stand in all of this? The reality is this, is that if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, then in one sense, nothing of what I've said so far really applies to you. Nothing about the security of heaven and the wonder of God's love looking over you every second, every minute of your day and guiding you into a future that he's prepared. Until that moment, you're in a sense, you're floating around on an ocean of uncertainty. 
It's only as we trust him with our future and put all of our trust in him for our eternity, put our trust in Jesus for his bloodshed for us, that we know we're truly born again and brought into the family of God. What a day to stand with these two and celebrate with them. But what a day for what they are doing to speak to each one of us. The question is, where do you stand? Having said that, let's all stand. <laughs> Hallelujah.